Welcome to the Business Sphere. On this podcast, we want to share real stories and real struggles from entrepreneurs who have been where you are. John Fong interviews business professionals and entrepreneurs in many fields to uncover their successes and challenges. We take a deep dive into their journey and provide you with tips and advice to help your business today. Thank you for listening to The Business Fear. Don't forget to subscribe and share this episode. My guest today is Joe Valley. Joe helps mentor entrepreneurs to achieve their eventual exit of their business. He is also a guest speaker, author, and advisor. Thanks for joining me today, Joe. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. And I know I haven't read your book yet, but I'm willing. I'm, I'm waiting to actually receive it to then absorb that content because this is something of interest to me, M&A. So I'm going to ask a ton of questions. But first off, can you share with the listeners how you became who you are today? Sure, absolutely. As you ask that question, a name comes to mind, and it's, it's actually Stanley McCurdy. So Stanley, if you happen to listen to this podcast, thank you. Uh, Stan and Sandra were good friends of my parents. They used to play Chinese checkers and I could hear Sandra laughing at night. Just, I'm trying to sleep and she's making so much noise. When I was a kid, I went to work for Stan. And uh, one night when they were over playing Chinese checkers with my parents, um, I, uh, I was complaining as a kid. I was maybe 14 years old. I didn't have money, didn't have enough money. And uh, Stan just straightened me right out. He was a no bull kind of guy. And he's like, work more. There's plenty of work to do. Just just ask Kenny for more work. I was working for somebody under him named Kenny. And uh, it just, it was simple as that. I, I'd always been uh, of the hardworking entrepreneur mindset, but at that point, something had shifted the wrong way. And, and, and Stan put me back on track. You know, uh, when I was younger, um, my first sort of muddy grasp, and this is a play on words, on uh, demand, supply and demand was I had a, I grew up in Maine and every night I would go out with a flashlight and uh, catch night crawlers. I lived in on Central Street in Gardner, Maine, which was obviously in the center of town and water is everywhere, fishermen everywhere. And my dad, who was not an entrepreneur, um, allowed me to put a big sign out front that said night crawlers for sale. So I'd catch them at night, we put them in the warm farm in the basement and, and, and sell night crawlers. So I always had that entrepreneurial spirit Stan made sure that I understood that hard work was necessary all along the way. Uh, fast forward to college, I started a company called uh, The Wrong Number, which was a really kind of a, a long story, but I won't, I won't tell too much of it. But it was a restaurant delivery service specifically for college students. I was approached while working uh, part-time at a restaurant uh, by a guy named Michael Hackle, who ran a company called Dining In. He walked in, jeans, t-shirt, very casual um, and wanted to deliver for the restaurant that I was working for. And uh, when he left, I walked back to the owner of the, the, the restaurant. His name was Dick. And I said, Dick, this is the story. I want to do this. He said, fine, I'll give you the money. So we started a business together called The Wrong Number. Dining in was geared towards high-end restaurants, dining in uh, The Wrong Number. And I got high, by the way, when I named it The Wrong Number. All right, I was in college and I didn't have an exit in mind. Uh, it was really funny and it, it actually worked strangely enough. The college students loved it. Uh, within a week, I had five restaurants signed up um, and I used to deliver for them. They, back in the day, they would fax in the orders and my driver would go pick it up 
or I would take the calls from the from the students and then we'd fax it to the restaurants. My drivers would go pick it up. I did that for about eight months while I was in college, John, um, putting in 50, 60 hours a week while being a full-time student. Uh, and when Christmas rolled around, I, I shut it down and got back to the life of being a student. I actually went back to work for Michael uh, in, in dining in. I made more money as a driver than I did as an entrepreneur at that point. Michael, by the way, eventually sold to, uh, he, he expanded to Chicago, New York, and other uh, large cities. I was in Boston at the time, eventually sold to Grubhub. So I like to tell my kids I was an original door dasher, even though that's not the phrase for Grubhubbers, but um, long story there. I, uh, in college, uh, got that entrepreneurial bug, uh, eventually kicked around, tried a lot of different things in my 20s, but launched my own business when I was uh, 29 years old. Uh, my goal at the time was to make a little bit more money than I did uh, the last job that I had. And turned out, uh, you know, my goal was $50,000. I'll tell you that. Uh, first year as, a, as an entrepreneur, I made a half a million dollars. And I thought to myself, this is a pretty good gig. I like this. I used to write it down on my hand, how much money I made that week. I'd show it to my dad. He must've thought I was a drug dealer or something like that because he was a state employee. He made $50,000 a year and I made 10 times uh, what he did. Um, sometimes I, I made that much in a week. It was, it was crazy. Um, that was the direct response world. Uh, I got into the e-commerce world back in 2006 uh, full-time, John, and uh, built up uh, an e-commerce brand and sold it in 2010 through a little company called Quiet Light Brokerage. Uh, I took a year off and then I went to work for Quiet Light Brokerage. I was the second full-time advisor for the company. Uh, it was Mark Dowse, the founder, Jason Yellowitz, who was my broker advisor uh, to sell my e-commerce business and a part-time uh, admin assistant. Uh, I... I Worked my way into ownership of that company. I made myself invaluable um, for several years in a row. I generated 50% of the total transactions. A few years, it was 70% of total transactions. Um, became partners with Mark, first 20%, 30%, 40% now. We've got a team of 15 advisors that are all entrepreneurs first. They're all people that have built, bought, or sold their own online businesses because that's all we deal with is the online world, SaaS, content, e-commerce, agencies, things of that nature. Um, by the end of Q1 2022, we'll have 17 advisors. We're, we're going to do about 250 million in total transactions in 2021. And uh, you know, it's a good space to be in. It was a little rough back in 2012 and 13, as you might know, um, but it's a good space to be in. We're, we're at the, the sort of the tip of a rocket ship. And I like to think that we're holding on and our cape is flying behind us. Uh, sometimes it feels like we're just holding on for dear life because it's it's an incredible industry to be in, and you know we're just we're just happy to be helping as many entrepreneurs as we can, and that's the approach: help first. You know, when I was younger, all I wanted to do was make money. Now I'm older, all I want to do is help as many people as possible. And oddly enough, I make more money than I did when I was younger because I'm helping more people. It's a bit of a shift in mindset. Okay, I'm rambling. Interrupt me because I could, I could talk for another ten minutes. Oh, that's amazing. And I love that journey of yours because over the course of many decades, you've matured, you've became more of a leader and you've been able to grow and scale your own business. And you mentioned that you exited on several occasions. Do you yeah. mind sharing with the listeners what kind of businesses you had and how did you go about selling and what did you learn throughout all those experiences of yeah. your own before you started doing it for others? Yeah. So I, you know, 
I ran a, I ran a, um, the business that I first launched was a media buying agency specializing in radio direct response media. And I always thought I couldn't sell it. You know, it was, I was the leader of the company at one point I had seven or eight staff made an awful lot of money buying time for radio direct response clients, but it never occurred to me that I could sell it even all the way up to 2010, 11. Um, I was running that alongside the e-commerce business uh, at the same time, doing too many things. I just shut it down. It didn't occur to me that I could sell it. I was wrong. It's very sellable. I was the head of the business, but there were lots of people working for me that did a really good job. And so in hindsight, I wish I could have reached out to somebody and gotten some good advice about the business instead of just thinking, yeah, no, I, this is it's not transferable. It's me. I, I, I know so much about this. Oh, I'm so smart. None of this could transfer into somebody else's head. I need to shut it down. And, and that's what I did, which is just idiotic. Um, the next business uh, was, you know, I, I launched that in 97. In 98, I launched a product marketing company and I, I marketed products on radio. And my mindset there was, you know, products had life cycles. You launch them, they go through campaigns on radio, maybe get to television. I did a couple of television commercials. And then you find the next product. Um, not really the right approach these days, right? These are things that uh, could have moved. One of them did move online, but and, and could still do incredibly well online, all the products that I did. So I had many there. The first actual physical product that I ended up uh, selling is not one that I uh, built. I, I partnered with somebody. I bought into it. It was a little company called Cordhog, an organizational uh, product company. And we built that um, after I sold my, my last brand through uh, Quiet Light. It wasn't a big sale, but it was an interesting one. First time I really played in the Amazon space and got that sold in 2013, I think. Um, but the, the one that really introduced me to Quiet Light in the process there was um, the supplement company. I started on radio in 2001 with that business as a single type of supplement for um, detoxification. And then uh, in 2006, took it 100% online. I dabbled online a little bit with it, but I took it 100% online after doing um, radio and then a television infomercial. And I expanded it into a digestive wellness center or product line. So there are multiple products. Um, I hired a good, very good web developer, a guy named David that owns Deerigo Design and Development up in Portland, Maine. And he said to me when we first met, look, Joe, you just have to write good quality content and over time, Google will reward you. I didn't know anything about gray or black hat SEO, not until after I sold the company and I bought a business that was built on that. Um, but that's what I did. I wrote good quality content over a period of uh, four and a half, five years, and Google did reward me. I also spent a lot of money on PPC at the time, but that's the business that I exited through Quiet Light. And unfortunately, and fortunately for Quiet Light, I woke up and I decided to sell the business. That was my mindset. I woke up in early 2010. I lived in uh, North Carolina at this point. My wife and uh, some of her friends were out by the pool with our kids who were toddlers back then, having a marvelous time. And I'm sitting in my office looking out and thinking, I'm miserable. I'm not enjoying this business anymore. And I started just Googling, could I sell this business? And I reached out to three brokerage firms. Two of them were just trying to get their hooks into me for a commission. The third was Mark at Quiet Light. And he 
we had a good conversation and he needed to follow up with me and, and get my PLs and actually look at them and digest them and give me a, you know, a, a real value opinion. By the end of that second call that I had with him, John, he said, look, you, you've got a sellable business today, but based upon the trends, if you wait another six months, you're going to make an awful lot more money. Let me explain how. And he showed me how, you know, older months fall off the PL, newer ones come on and boost the discretionary earnings. So I waited. I waited until uh, November of 2010. Actually, it was October that we listed the business. We, we had a quick transaction. It, it was under LOI and closed uh, within about six weeks uh, and sold it in November 2010. That's amazing. And ever since you've been at this existing business that you're in, a part of today. Yeah. Well, I, I joined the company in 2012. Um, and, and I think that first full calendar year of 2000, my, uh, 2013 for me, the first full calendar year, I joined in April, 2012, I closed personally, uh, 23 transact transactions and they were only, you know, maybe 125, $130,000, uh, as a, as an average deal size. And it was myself and Jason and Amanda joined shortly after I did. Um, today it's, you know, average transaction size for for 2021 will be two million dollars. Um, again, 15 advisors. I've personally closed about 100 million in total transactions since joining the company in 2012. I I no longer broker. I, I my last deal closed in January of 2021, and now I'm focused on you know, podcasting, marketing, selling the Entrepreneur's Playbook, networking, and just helping build our brand and reputation a little further than it is today. Oh, that's amazing. And I love that whole process, right? Because you have to be in it, understand the process, learning how to go about selling a business before you inform others, right? So in terms of like the last couple of years, I know there's been this huge shift, right? From bricks and mortars to this new digital landscape and e-com and, you know, the Amazon effect, right? Have you noticed like a lot of product play are doing FDA, like the Amazon kind of businesses, or how is Shopify uh, performing? Um, because this is your space. You, you basically see new products, new brands being created, and yeah. people want to exit. And is there a shelf life before they tend to want to exit? Or is this more, they, they feel like this is their baby, they want to keep it and hold it for as long as they can? Yeah, everyone's a little different, of course. Um, the world that we live in has changed dramatically, you know, from just five years ago. In in 2016, I wrote a little, I want to call it a booklet, right? You know, this this is a book, right? It's 300 pages, the Entrepreneur's Playbook. All those books behind you are real books. I wrote a, a booklet in 2016 called 10 Steps to Selling Your Amazon Business. Nobody cared about it, right? It, it was ahead of its time. Um, but it, it, it showed that you could actually, I was trying to, you know, educate people that you could actually transfer a, uh, FBA account fulfilled by Amazon seller account. You could actually transfer the ownership of that, even though Amazon in their terms of services said that you couldn't, I had documentation that showed that they did it. I'd done it many times and I had them tell me how to do it. <laughs> so I wrote that book pamphlet. Um, and even back then, you know, the multiples, John and, and multiples are how businesses are sold in this space. E even in in the brick and mortar space, it's still multiple. So for us, it's a multiple of sellers' discretionary earnings, or a simple term is owner benefit. That includes your salary, your net income plus your salary. 
some one-time expenses, um, cash back monies, things of that nature. Total of different uh, three different levels of what, what what goes below the net income. They're called addbacks. I've got three different levels of addbacks in Chapter Eleven, and there's a total of eighteen different addbacks. If you sell your business without doing an addback schedule, you are giving your buyer instant equity or what I call an ignorance discount. Um, they, they'll be thanking you for many years because they're going to be able to uh, sell, resell that business for a huge profit because you didn't price your business properly. Um, but uh, the pamphlet back then, the booklet, uh, didn't do very well. And Amazon businesses were really hard to sell. In fact, all online businesses were really hard to sell. You know, we used to list businesses at 2.74, a 2.74 multiple. So they would round down to 2.7, right? Because buyers didn't, they didn't want to go over 2.7. They just, a lot of pushback. Today, it's a completely different world. There's a belief and trust that these online businesses are real legitimate businesses. COVID pushed that a little bit further because a lot of people, my father, who's 85, shops online now. Uh, There are aggregators of FBA businesses like Thrasio. Razor, Perch, Boosted, Profound Commerce. Um, there's a lot of them that have raised hundreds of millions, in some cases, a couple of unicorns with Razor and Thrasio, uh, to buy these FBA businesses. So that has educated you know, everyone that they can actually sell these uh, and, and, and push the multiples up because they're competing against each other now. We used to say to uh, our clients that came on board that you know, the goal enlisting the business timing-wise, because they always want to say, how long is it going to take between listing the business and and getting it sold? And I'd say, the the goal is to get you on three to five conference calls with qualified buyers within the first 30 to 45 days of your listing going live. And then if it's a cash deal, we're going to close in 30 to 45 days. If it's SBA, it's going to take another 60 to 75. Today, very different. Um, we've got an average of four and a half offers on every listing year to date in 2021, and the multiples have jumped. A business that might have been worth a 2.7 multiple back in 2016 is probably worth three and a half to four or five times today. The multiples are being pushed up across the board for businesses that are smaller, doing 100,000 in discretionary earnings, and naturally those much bigger doing a million in discretionary earnings. As the businesses get larger, John, the multiple goes up as well because the larger they are, the lower the risk, the lower the risk, the higher the multiple. Amazing. And I, I'm sure you see a lot of different types of businesses, products mainly, I would say. Um, are you finding that a lot of people are trying to exit in, intentionally or is it more because bricks and mortar and I know you used to do a lot of radio ads and yeah, selling direct response. They were in the mindset of passing it on to generation or fulfilling it for 20, 30 years. Today with e-com, people don't know what's going to happen. And the type of persona, the type of people who are purchasing, selling, buying, going through these transactions, are they giving it five years, 10 years? Because it's in this infancy. Yeah, for the most part, no. For the most part, no. And, and one of the reasons is not because they're immature, the business, the industry's immature. It's because if you've bootstrapped an e-commerce business, meaning physical products, and it's you know got hockey puck growth, you're actually not making a whole lot of money. You're not putting a whole lot of money in your pocket. Why? 
because you know every time that cash comes into the business, you've got to go out and buy more inventory just to keep up with growth. And so you know the the, the starvation mode for two, three, four, five years gets really tough when you're doing five million in annual revenue, but you're not actually putting a whole lot of money in your pocket because you're growing like crazy. It's hard. Um, even if you have slow growth, it's still hard, right? Because you're, there's so many working capital needs. And the reality is that for a physical product e-commerce business, and often content and SaaS as well, and certainly agency, the most money, at least 50% of all the money you ever make from that business happens on the day that you sell it. And so entrepreneurs, look, uh, we have shiny object syndrome that you know, I can do that syndrome, whatever you want to call it. And we actually... Uh, get a little bored. We, we, we can only do something for so long before you go, ah, here's a new idea. I've learned a lot here. I'm ready to move on to this next project. That's what happened to me in 2010. I had a great life, I had a great business, but I was bored, emotionally tired, worn out of it, right? It was a dream for me uh, you know, decade, a decade before. This is the life I wanted to live. And then I was like, yeah, I'm bored. I need to do something else. So that happens too. So number one, they sell because they haven't taken any money off the table yet. They sold a business for a million dollars for a guy named Jeremy who the business was only 24 months old. The only money he got out of that was a, a camera that he bought, $600 to, pay, you know, to take photos. He made a million dollars after 24 months, but he didn't take any money out of the business in that 24-month period because it was growing so rapidly. Um, so most of the money's you know, at closing, and that's why they sell, or they're just emotionally tired, worn out, ready to move on. Um, I just talked to a, a couple of guys yesterday that are listening their business for eight figures in January. And they've been building a brand for about five years. Two friends from childhood decided to launch a business together. They've got an amazing brand, a great product, um, but they, they're just in the grind every day. And that's not the dream that they had. They were looking for freedom and flexibility and opportunity and they're having, you know, they, they, they left the corporate world to be entrepreneurs and have that life. And now they've got a business that they have to grind it out every day because it needs them, right? They're feeding the beast and they have to keep shoveling coal into that beast. So their reason is, you know, take a lot of money off the table. Number one, it's going to be an eight-figure exit, but because they, they've been grinding it out for five years, they're ready for their next adventure. It's not retirement. They're young. They're in their late 30s. They're going to do another business. Um, they're going to learn what they've learned, become what I call exitpreneurs, right? They understand the greatest value in their business comes the day that they sell. And now they'll have a whole bunch of money in the bank. They'll be out of debt. They won't have to bootstrap their next business because they've got some capital to do it right. And the learning curve from zero to 10 million in revenue is going to be a whole lot shorter because of the knowledge and experience that they have. And their next exit will probably be multiple eight figures instead of just eight. That's amazing. Um, I have so many questions for you. The first one I was going to ask is, do you find that a lot of these people who do build a business, sell, come back and buy more businesses or start more businesses? Yeah. Um, yeah. Because of that mindset, right? That skill set, the experience and that thrill that they have. Yeah. So there's... There's a two paths, right? When you sell, you've got money in the bank, you can take that knowledge and, and do it all over again. But at the same time, you're impatient. You know that the exit is where you're going to make the most money. So you can grind it out for another four years in building a big business to get from zero to you know, 10 million in revenue. Or, and, and the odds of failure there are what, 96%, 96% of all new ventures fail. 
Or you can be an, what's called an acquisition entrepreneur. You should read the book, Buy Then Build by Walker Dybel, Acquisition Entrepreneurship, and buy a business. It's already established. The odds of failing are minuscule if you do it right. And you can take that knowledge and experience you have, and that's what these folks do. you know. And they've got capital, right? It's not bootstrapped anymore. They've got capital and they can hire a team because they can afford to now. And they can take that to the next level. Whereas that bootstrapped entrepreneur is exhausted, tired, worn out, and just needs some cash off the table. So yeah, a lot of them will come back and purchase their next business and grow it to the next level. They, they, they set goals, right? It's part of what I talk about in the Entrepreneur's Playbook and anybody that I, I've, I've mentored 8,000 entrepreneurs over the last decade, one-on-one conversations. That's why I wrote the book, John, because I kept repeating the same thing over and over again. I'm like, Let me put this in writing. I can reach more people that way. But the number one thing that they're learning to do, look, you've got a lot of really amazing books behind you. Um, many of them talk about goal setting and the success that you can gain by setting proper goals and revisiting them often. And so as an exitpreneur, somebody that has sold an online business already, they know that if they buy one, their goal is to exit it. They understand values, what brings, what plummets values, valuation ranges. So they, they immediately set a goal and figure out how to reverse engineer to that by pulling and pushing certain levers in the business to make it valuable enough to sell for that exit goal. That's amazing. So all these people that now you're surrounded with, um, what, what drives them do you find? Like, What are some of the personality traits of these business owners and entrepreneurs um, that you deal with. Yeah. Are you, are you familiar with the book surrounded by idiots? Surrounded by idiots. No. Yeah. You got to get that one in the back on the, on the shelf back there. It, it, it's a typical, you know, personality test book. There's red, blue, green, yellow. Um, and the reds are uh, generally people that have an idea and just drive forward with it. Um, it's not necessarily that they should drive forward with it. It's that they can drive forward with it, right? That old phrase, just because you can, doesn't mean you should. Um, that's the entrepreneurial mindset. It's wanting to push forward on that idea because they think it can work. It may not be all planned out and detailed, uh, but they push forward on it and they drive forward on it. And they wake up at three o'clock in the morning thinking about it. It's a shame. I do that all the time, but I've been up since 4.30 this morning. I wish somebody would come up with a sleep solution for me. I actually bought a sleeping book this morning at about five o'clock in the morning. Um, so you probably have some of those kicking around somewhere. Um, I think your way to sleep is just to work your tail off with uh, you know, exercise and all the proper eating and all the things that you do so well. Um, but but these, you know, the entrepreneurial mindset is, is just somebody that's driven to succeed no matter what they do. Um, they focus on a goal and, and, of course, family is incredibly important. That's the number one goal and why we become entrepreneurs many of the time so that we can spend more time with our families. And then they sell because they're grinding out in the business and not spending as much time with their families. Um, and sometimes you can find that balance. I've got that with Quiet Light now and, and the Experience Playbook. It's very balanced. I work from home has since, I want to say 2006 um, and drive my kids back and forth to school. They're actually 18 and 20 now. They drive themselves. But um, it's it's that driven mentality where they they think I can do that. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to go ahead and do that. I'm going to push forward with that and living a lifestyle where they don't want to have a boss or answer to anyone, and they enjoy you know talking with colleagues and joining mastermind groups and sharing ideas and helping each other, not necessarily to benefit themselves but to 
to, to benefit everybody. And when they do that, those masterminds lift each other up, the people in it and their businesses grow. And, and eventually, you know, they, they either exit through an exit or they exit without exiting by putting in a C-suite level of executives and moving themselves to the board. And that's another way of exiting as well. That's amazing. Um, so I know you mentioned in our earlier uh, conversation about changing the mindset of being a giver. I'm a huge advocate of grinding it out, but also understanding what, where the true value is. And when you start helping more people, amplifying your message and giving more, things will happen. And it's a multiple of what you were used to. So can you share with the audience members, like when did that time come for you and how has that been for your business? Well, for, for Quiet Letter, I remember very specifically, it was early 2013. I was in New Orleans uh, having dinner. Uh, I think it was a traffic and conversion uh, show or something. I forget what event it was. And I was sitting around having dinner with a bunch of folks. And um, it was my first full calendar year as an advisor. And someone said, well, what do you like about it? What's going on? How are you, how are you enjoying you know, your, new, your new role as an advisor for Quiet Light? And I said, honestly, I just, I love it. I love working with you know other entrepreneurs and helping them understand the value of what they have and march towards their eventual exit goals. And I'm just having a good time helping people. And somebody sitting next to me said, you know, they called bull and and said, that's not true. You just like making money. I wasn't making any money then, John. So it was completely wrong. Uh, I'd made plenty of money in my life. And in this role, it it was really um, evident when I had those first three phone calls with three different uh, brokerage firms. Two just wanted to get their hooks into me a com- for a commission. They were being very selfish, which actually caused them to make no money because I didn't hire them. And if I had hired them, they would have made less money because I would have sold them. If they helped me first and shifted their mindset to helping me as much as possible, they would have won my business, number one, and they would have made more money because they would have advised me to wait and then I would have listed my business for a lot more and they earned a commission and they would have made more as well. It would have worked out very well for everybody. So that, that was a real lesson for me. And it's, and it's always, um, you know, again, back when I was first launching, it was just about making money and how much I made. The business was not great, right? It, 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 was, it was me for the most part. I had a team, but it wasn't, you know, a business that no one ever wanted to leave. Right now, with Quiet Light, we have a team of 15 advisors that are first and foremost entrepreneurs. They've all built, bought, and sold. They join the team because they want to help others now as well. In um, since I joined the team in 2012, we've had one advisor leave, just one, and that person just had an offer he absolutely could not refuse. Uh, and so everybody has that helping mindset because they're old enough and mature enough, and and had done well enough financially, they realize that that's um, A, number one, being a good human, B, uh, or A, number one, number one, being a good human, two, uh, you do actually make much more money in the long run and uh, you're doing it the right way. You're, you're helping others. And, and whether you're selling grilling aprons or you know, f- fidgets, fidget tools or whatever, if, if you just have that mentality and shift your mindset from, I'm going to make as much money as possible and I'm going to sell my business to, I'm going to help as many people as possible. I'm going to build an amazing business and eventually I'm going to exit at a great price to a great buyer uh, for a great value, great terms and all that. There's a lot of greats in there 
And you just have to shift your mindset a little bit from, it's not just about you. It's about your customer. It's about your clients. It's about your friends. It's about your mastermind uh, members, uh, lifting everybody up and ultimately, you know, rising tide raises all ships, right? No, this makes total sense. Like perspective of not just where you're at, right? In your business journey, but in life in general, because to be a better human, that means you, if you're a parent, you got to be present. You got to want to spend more time and do things with your children or your significant other or your family and friends, right? But if you're so busy, you know, in this rat race or building a business and you, you're putting 60, 80, 100 hour weeks and you're not, you know, taking care of your health, taking care of your, you know, whatever it is, like friends, relationships, contact, whatever it is, and you're kind of going in this rat uh, hole, right? It's very toxic. So I always talk about like lifestyle and balance and really understanding like this is what you mentioned before, like goal setting, right? Like why are you doing what you do? Are you really enjoying this business? And ultimately, where do you want to be? And I always do this goal setting with all my team members, like three months, six months, five years, like 10 years. Like, how do you picture your life? And let's work backwards so that we can slowly achieve and accomplish. And yes, there's going to be challenges. There's going to be a lot of, you know, hills to go over, right? But if we do this together, we're going to actually have fun with progress. Yeah, no, it's, it's reverse engineering your path to that goal. You know, you got to set that goal first. And then you got to figure out where you are today. You know, if the goal is to work 20 hours a week and live in XYZ house or neighborhood, um, you know, you got to figure out what's it going to cost to do that. That's the goal. How much are you making today? Where do you live? What are the rents? What are, you know, all of those different things. You know, when I was, oh, I think I was 29 at the time, 28 or 29, um, I went through one of the Tony Robbins programs. Back then it was, you ordered it from a TV infomercial, you bought the tapes, the books and all that kind of stuff. I think 150 bucks or something. And in it was a goal setting exercise. And I went through that very, very explicitly. And it was, you know, there was something about the boat on the water in the Portland Harbor. I ended up with a boat on the water in Lake Norman in North Carolina instead. It's fine. It's good. But I, I described the woman that I wanted to marry in detail, you know, the height, what personality, athletic, these types of things, driven, that kind of stuff. I, she showed up, she showed up in my life at that company I worked for, you know, she was in the training class that I was training. And, uh, you know, a couple of years later, we were married after I set those goals. I revisited that years later. I was like, Holy, Oh my God, Christiana, take a look at this. This is incredible. This is you look at this. So I think if you set those goals and you put it in your mind and you envision it and revisit it, I think these days, um, you, you really, you really can achieve them. You just have to understand what's, what's, how important it is to revisit them. And that, you know, I'm, I'm of a mindset, John, I don't know if you are, some people, you know, say set a goal and, and just, you know, go after that specifically and don't change it. As we grow and mature, um, our wants and needs and desires change as well. So, you know, I, I do, uh, I'm an advocate of, of revising those goals along the way, right? Even just a, a year ago, I set a, a, a personal financial goal and, um, and, and a goal within my company. I've, I've already revised it because some things have happened and we've changed a little bit. I'm like, okay, yeah, this is cool. I'm liking this now. I'm going to shift that goal over here and tweak it a little bit. 
you know, I might be exiting without exiting, if you will, right? Maybe I don't have to exit to achieve my own personal goals. Maybe I'm going to exit without exiting. I love the strategic advisory part of my role here at Quiet Light. And we get big enough, I don't have to exit to take money off the table. I can be an advisor. I've got a board of a, uh, a C-suite level of executives and, 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 and have them be on the daily grind instead of me. You know? and, and I know um, you're at a mindset which is a little bit different than a lot of entrepreneurs. They want to get to that stage where peace of mind, clarity, you know, and then making sure that you have everything in place. To get there takes a lot of grit, determination, you know, a lot of grind itself, right? Yeah. But did you find that having mentors, mastermind, going to events, doing a lot of, you know, I know you mentioned about your next door neighbor, having that hard work in you, put you in a different space? Like, because a lot of people think Hell they yes. do it themselves, right? Hell yes. No, 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 no. You get, the harder you work, the luckier you get. Right, you grind it out. You you ask questions. You know, my my son is looking for an internship now, and I said, look, you reach out to so and so, and they may not be the person that's going to give you that internship, but their buddy may have the perfect opportunity for you. So you network, you 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 make connections, and you build relationships. So I think, you know, uh, for me, when I launched that, when I took that uh, radio direct response product, one hundred percent online. Um, I connected with the right web developer through somebody else that wasn't the right fit for me. So it was reaching out to others, having communications, learning from them, talking about my goals and them saying, yeah, this isn't actually the best fit, Joe, but you need to talk to David. And, and that happens every day today. You know, A lot of what I do is just referring people out to the right person that they should be talking to. That's probably 50% of the phone calls. Somebody will call me and say they want to do something that they thought I might be able to help. And I'm like, actually, I'm no, you got to talk to so-and-so. They're going to really help you with that. And that person may not be that perfect fit either, but they've made that connection. And, and that connection would lead to the end goal that they're looking for. I don't think there's any way to do this alone. I've had mentors along the way. First, it was Stanley. Now it's Uncle Walter, been Uncle Walter for a while, off and on over the years. He's mentioned in the book, I believe. Um, it's just advice from those that have gone before me. And, um, you know, people around you, they don't have to be older than you, by the way. There's, you know, in this e-commerce, in this online world, whatever you're doing, there are people of all ages that are incredibly successful. I was at an event for eight-figure sellers a couple of months ago. And, you know, a 27-year-old gets up and is talking about how he did $75 million in revenue in the last 12 months. And I'm just, um, he gave a presentation and it was a small group, maybe uh, 25 people. And my question was, How, aren't you exhausted? That's incredible. Everything that you've done. He's like, no, 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 it energizes me. I'm jazzed up. That's a true entrepreneur. He's driven to succeed through that process. He's young. He's got lots of energy. He's willing to try all sorts of different things. And he's part of a mastermind where he can bounce those ideas off of all those people there were part of the same mastermind and they're sharing ideas and experiences, whether it's the right SaaS product to use or the right copywriter or whatever it might be, they're helping each other and that helps their, their businesses grow. And I love the fact that you're telling everyone that it's all about putting yourself out there. A lot of people are afraid of what other people are going to think because you believe you're probably not to their standard or their so far ahead of you. 
but without knowing that I always say just go out and make relationships connections and talk because the people that are a couple steps ahead of you are more willing to give you advice because they understand what you're going through they are the most generous honest kind of people that are givers as well well you're hearing me on this podcast I'm running off at the mouth here, but I'm, I'm an introvert. So it, these types of things that you're talking about are struggles for me. I was at an event um, a few years ago, actually more like seven years ago. Um, and I, I didn't really know anyone at the event. I was you know, new to going to masterminds and stuff. And uh, there, was a, there was a party that evening, the night of, right? That everybody gets there. And I felt uh, walking around, I didn't recognize anybody. There's a lot of people all talking like they're old friends. And uh, one was by the pool and I, I kind of am on the outskirts of it and, and start, you know, I, I work my way in and it turns out that they didn't know each other at all. Uh, and they were all just getting to know each other. So it took so much courage for me to walk up and say, hey guys, I'm kind of new to all this. Uh, this is amazing. Great place. I'm Joe. This is my story. They were all so open to it and having conversations. Some of, us, some of them are, are, are friends to this day but it was incredibly hard to walk up and do it. There was another time when there was a, an amazing speaker, got up, did a presentation at an event that I was at. And then I saw him at the next event that I was at. And I'm like, I, gotta, I have to say hi to this guy. And I figure out where he is and I see him. He's sitting on the couch by himself. I walk up, shake his hand, say hello. To this day, I, I sold his business. I sold his business partner's business. He's referred 21 clients to me. I looked it up yesterday, 21 clients. Uh, to quiet light over the years because I had the courage to walk up and say hello. And I helped him, you know, with his eventual exit of his business, we, which he, he's one of these entrepreneurs that has shiny object syndrome, but he, he was over leveraged and needed to, to, to sell. And, and I was there for him when the time was right for him. I, I feel the need. And um, if I hadn't had the courage to walk up to a total stranger and say, Hey, man, I saw your presentation. It was fantastic. I'm Joe. This is what I do and love to help you any way that I can. Um, if I hadn't had the courage to do that, um, I'm not sure where Quiet Light would be today, to be honest with you, because you know, he's an important person um, in our network of, of, of friends and relationships. So you got you to get yourself out there. Just have the courage to say hello. Simple as that. And these are skill sets that a lot of people in the business world, there's invaluable skill sets that they need to harvest. And one of them is not just sales and marketing, but just being like going out and doing things that are relationship building in nature, uh, brand awareness, like getting out there, even though it might be uncomfortable, letting people know what you do, right? Like a lot of people are afraid because, you know, they're, they've been at it for so long that they think what they're doing is the right way to do it. Um, but yeah, like I, I love the fact that you're mentioning, like just go and step out and outside your comfort zone, right? Go and meet new people. Yeah. You know, there's a, a gentleman that I've worked with over the years. He was a client first. Now he's a good friend. His name is Ramon Van Meer. And uh, he does it better than anyone that I've met. We were both at a, uh, an event called Blue Ribbon Mastermind and somebody got up and spoke. And, and she just, the speaker just did an incredible job. And she was uh, the vice president of a, of a very well-known company. And, uh, you know, it was a little intimidating 
even you know, for people that are very successful, she's a little intimidating. Well, Ramon is an immigrant, came to this country, you know, as a single dad. Um, it, it real challenges, like literally, like sleeping in an air, airport, just like Will Smith in the in the in the movie. There, um, I, I ended up selling his business, his maybe fourth or fifth business, um, for just under nine million dollars. Incredible success. He he just figures stuff out. He was invited not to finish high school in Denmark, where you are required to finish high school. He was invited not to. He does not have a college degree. He just figures stuff out, um, and and walked right up talked to her, talked about his business, asked her some questions and she didn't blow him off. She didn't go, oh man, you're so stupid. That's a stupid question. That doesn't happen at these events. You walk up, you say hello and people, that they're there to meet you. They're there to engage with you and they're there, John, to help you. And 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 they're not, as, as, as Ramon, Ramon said to me a couple of weeks ago, he's like, look, you know, you have to, have to actually ask your friends for the help. If, if they don't know what you need or what you want, they don't, they can't help you. They want to help you. So you need to ask them. And when you go to an event like that, that woman who's up there speaking and doing a presentation is there to help. So walking up to her and saying hello and, and, and engaging with her is, is something that everybody should do. I didn't do it because she intimidated me and I was uncomfortable with it. I didn't know what I was going to talk with her about. I should have just gone up and complimented her. I said, amazing job. That was fantastic. We're a sponsor here. And yeah, I've known Ezra for a long time, yada, yada, yada. No matter how successful you are, sometimes you're still going to have that. Um, what is it called when you've got that complex where you, oh, imposter syndrome, right? It happens to all of us, no matter what. And, and so, you know, uh, I had it with her. I'm like, I don't, I don't deserve to be here. Somebody else would be like, they don't deserve to be on the Quiet Light podcast or on your podcast. They do. They all have their story. They all have their journeys. They all have their successes and failures. And sharing those will, will help others succeed after you or help you succeed even more. This is... Uh amazing uh discussion we're having um i was gonna just find you know end this off joel with a couple personal questions like where do you see yourself in the next couple years i know you're having a lot of fun you're growing and scaling this uh business of yours like some personal goals some corporate business goals where do you see yourself um, on the business side, it's it's exit without exiting and um, enabling our team to have ownership in the company as well. You know, they're all brilliant. They're all smarter than I am. They're more successful than I am. I was doing a podcast with one of them yesterday, uh, Pat Yates. He was on Shark Tank. I forget what season he told me yesterday. He's got to deal with Robert, bright guy. But he, you know, he and I were joking that everybody that is on the team is so much smarter and successful than us. Um, so, you know, securing them as, as investors in the company, having shares of the company is one of my personal goals. Mark, my business partner and I are going with the whole exit without exiting because the company is uh, big enough, large enough, and uh, can support a C-suite level of executives. So we're going to move ourselves to the board and have, you know, a CEO, CTO, CMO, COO, that kind of stuff. Um, and that will leave uh, more room for us to do the projects that we are passionate about or enjoy uh, both on the, on the personal and professional side. Personally, um, I got to figure that out, John, uh, you, you need to share some of your, your fitness books with me so that I can um, get in the kind of shape that you are um, sleep better, that kind of stuff. Those are, those are actually personal goals for me. I'm 56. As, as we talked about, um, I, I actually, I'm, I'm in relatively good shape for a 56 year old. I weigh the same 
that I did uh, when I got married 24 years ago, uh, and that's through hard work and exercise and eating right, but I can do better and I want to do better. My youngest uh, uh, son just got the acceptance letter to Davidson College yesterday, so he'll be off to college uh, in uh, August of 2022. My wife and I will be empty nesters trying to figure out um, how to spend our time. Um, and a lot of that's going to be uh, doing what you're doing, eating so, so well and exercising, doing fun, active things. It's not just going to the gym, but what you're doing, hiking, you know, uh, competing in, in tough mutters and things of that nature. I, I, I want to I get down with a lot of that stuff myself personally. Yeah, well, definitely stay in touch because I would love to share with you some of the mental preparation as well as some of the content that I've been reading up on. But this has been amazing, Joel. I'm going to definitely stay in touch with you. What's the best way some of the audience members can reach out to you, connect with you if they do have any questions? Uh, the best way would probably be to visit quietlight.com and reach out to me through the site or just hit me up with an email at quiet, uh, joe at quietlight.com. Um, on LinkedIn, Joe Valley, quietlight. You can find me there if you do a search for exitpreneur. If you can spell it properly, it's entrepreneur, but with an exit in front. Um, you can find the book. You can learn anything about me on the website, exitpreneur.io, or find the book on Amazon as well. Amazing. I'm going to embed that all in the show notes. It's been a pleasure speaking with you, Joe. And thank you so much. Thank you, John. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to our latest podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the Business Sphere and share this episode. Tune in next week for more interviews from entrepreneurs.